0: Welcome to Chasing 3 Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's podcast is brought to you by Peak Performance. If you're in the Omaha, Nebraska area, be sure to stop by one of their four locations and mention Chasing 3 Hours for $15 off your first pair of shoes at regular price. Today's interview is with Alex Burks, a recent qualifier for the 2024 Olympic Trials we dive into his journey and how he ultimately was able to put together a time that sent him to Orlando, overcoming doubts along the way, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Alex Burks. Alex Burks, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thanks for having me. I uh, begin every podcast by asking about the most recent run that my guest had. How was your most recent run? Where was it? When was it? How long did you go? Geez, my
1: most recent run, I think, was two days ago. And, you know, being about a week post-marathon, it was about three miles at just a little bit under eight minute pace and uh, feeling okay. There's a little bit of tightness between my right hamstring and glute, but we're working it out. There's always something post-marathon, but we're coming along.
0: (laughs) Do you take a normal amount of rest or like does it just kind of change depending on how that, that race went for you?
1: Um, my coach and I try to do two weeks after the the marathon with just like real, like rest, rest, but then I'll start kind of running every other day for a little bit so that once I get back to training, I can kind of, you know, come back to, to reasonable training volume relatively quickly. And in general, the better the race goes, the less I run, uh, the two weeks after sometimes if I need, need it mentally, I'll run a little more in those two weeks.
0: That's awesome. I I usually go all the way back to the beginning of a runner's journey, but I I do want to start with what happened with you nine days ago, because back in 2021, you run a 216.51, which is a qualifying time for the trials. But of course, it came outside of the window two and a half years later. You run a 217 marathon, this time within the window, qualifying yourself for the trials next year. You're the same person, the same runner, though, obviously, a whole lot happened in between. As you now get further and further removed from last Saturday, what what's the feeling like in terms of you're the same guy you you had done it before but now it it means something a little bit more because of the time that it happened in versus the actual race itself
1: yeah so really for me it's just kind of been at this point a feeling of relief i've tried so many times to go and get that olympic trials qualifier and having run that 21651 figured that like it wouldn't necessarily be easy but it would it would come it would happen and we were kind of getting down to the wire here of you know I've got one maybe two shots left if I really try and squeeze it in and that might even be ill-advised so yeah it was just a, a feeling of relief of like we did it I can still run this fast like I'm still that same runner if not even better at this point.
0: I know that throughout the last couple of years, you were like trying to figure out what, what was different about the one in 2021 versus what ultimately happened. How, did you feel confident going in? I know you were sick that day. So, you know, I, I wonder what, what, where you were at mentally going into, especially in the 24 hours leading up to it. But did you feel like it could be your day or were you already kind of mentally preparing that I might have to try again down the road a little bit?
1: In the two to three weeks prior to the race, I was 100% confident That I had that race in me, but then yeah, waking up, you know, 24 hours before the race with a cough, I I still have like that same cough right now. Like I'm still not feeling a hundred percent from it, but yeah, like waking up being like, oh my God, like I am sick and I have, you know, what could be my last chance at making the trials tomorrow, Like, I immediately called my coach within, like, an hour of waking up and was just like, hey, I went out and did my four-mile shakeout at, like, 7.20 pace, and I felt horrible. Like, I just – I don't know if tomorrow is going to go my way. And so we talked for a little bit about potential races that we could pivot to if tomorrow, you know, didn't go well, tomorrow being last Saturday. Um, And we talked about, like, maybe doing Philly or, like – we couldn't do CIM at that point because – lead application was way, 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 way overdue. Um, but then after that, it was just like, all right, we've, we've talked about it. We have our contingency plan. Let's now focus in on tomorrow. And when I woke up on race day, I would say that the thought of like, I could qualify was there, but like way tucked back, just, it was more like, let's not even think about that. Let's just go out and take this, <clears throat> excuse me. See, I still have that cough. Uh, Let's go out and take this one lap at a time because uh, it was you know, a lap course. Like, Let's see how we feel
0: and go from there. We'll, we'll get back to it towards the end of the pod. Let's go all the way back now. Why did you start running in the first place? Um, I first started
1: running in middle school. Uh, it was eighth grade, and it was because my mom had told me once I entered middle school that I had to do some sort <laughs> of extracurricular activity, something that was going to happen after school. And for me, for sixth and seventh grade, that was math club because I was not an athletic kid, never did a sport. I did soccer for like a season in elementary school. And I was like, God, God, awful, like so bad. Um, but then eighth grade, I think math club like stopped meet, like stopped meeting because there were only like four of us or whatever and the teacher didn't want to do it anymore. Um So um, some of my friends said, yeah, you can do cross country with us. Like we mostly just walk at the practices and like, it's kind of fun. Like I knew a couple of kids on the team. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And that was all it was for eighth grade for me. It was like, you know, mostly walking and just having fun, hanging out with my friends. Occasionally, I think we'd play like tag or ultimate Frisbee as our practices. Like it was a good time. Uh, But it wasn't until my freshman year of high school. And I was like, well, I did this in eighth grade. I might as well do it again um, and that was when I realized that like people could actually be really good at this. Like there were some really, really good runners on the team and, uh, they, for whatever reason, saw some amount of potential in me, even though I was not going particularly fast, uh, that year and they got me to do indoor and outdoor track. And that was when, you know, it finally started to show through. I'd crossed that threshold of like, okay, you've done enough training that now some of that talent can start to show through. And that was when I started to realize, oh, wait. I'm actually kind of good at this.
0: With the benefit of hindsight, is there a moment in time that you think back on, whether it's a race, whether it's a workout, whether it's a long run within practice, where you're like, that was when it maybe kind of clicked for me, this belief that others had had, had in my running success?
1: In hindsight, the moment that I should have realized that there was like something there was I, so I was, when I was a freshman, I was mostly running like the freshman races which were like 2.5 K or just like two miles or something like that. Uh, And I I was doing well in those, but it was also against like other freshmen. So there was no real like indication of, I was actually like any good. Um, But there was one race where there was no freshman race. And so I had to run like the JV 5 K and keep in mind, this was like the first 5k I had run. And like, I really, I was maybe running like 10 miles a week at that point. Like, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what my weekly mileage was. Like, uh, and I think I ran like 21 minutes flat, which like looking back on it, it's like, yeah, like for someone who was like walking a couple times at practice and like occasionally doing some sort of fart, maybe for two miles, like that was probably pretty impressive. But the moment where it actually clicked for me, was my first indoor track race where I ran a 525 mile. Cause that to me was like, wait, that's like really fast. Like I wasn't thinking about splits. I wasn't thinking about race tactics. I just went out and ran a 525 mile and I was like, oh, that's fast.
0: So did you find yourself like enjoying running then because you liked it or because you were finding success at it and so it was kind of easy to like it? At that point,
1: I think it was just that I liked the people on the team and I liked chasing like those times and it was fun to just see my time like pretty much go down every time. Although I, I was stuck for a while at that five twenty-five in an in indoor track I remember. But yeah, it was it was just it was a fun thing to do after school. I really liked the team. Um and yeah, I think I think it wasn't until like junior year that I was like actually getting really into and obsessed with like the act of training and understanding how training works and all of that.
0: How did that show itself? Was it in reading books? Was it cuz I'm trying to figure out the time frame and just in terms of like podcasts are probably not around, right? So we're not you're not able to like really dive into running theory with podcasts, but I imagine you could have with with books cuz it's not like it's that long ago.
1: So all of this was facilitated through the person who is still coaching me to this day which was one of the people on that team. And the person essentially who told me like, I think you could be good at this at some point. And I I don't know if he even knows exactly how it was that he knew, but he just knew. And um, that's my coach, Ben Walk. He was a senior at Mimaranek High School when I was a freshman. And after that first freshman year season, we just kept in contact. He kept giving me summer training and then sometimes training during the school year too. And he just really facilitated that love for running and training. and I think it was when I joined the the track forums. I think it was in 2012, which would correspond to junior year cross country um, that then that like obsession became in, internalized and wasn't just this ex, um, this this factor coming from outside. It was it was actually like me now taking uh, taking a part in my own running obsession. But yeah, ben, ben was definitely the catalyst for all of this.
0: What what did your what did your family think of this? What did your friends think of this as you kind of slowly threw yourself into it more and more? And you have this friend who is barely older than you, just a few years older than you, and he's training you and he's believing in you at this very high level. Um, my
1: my parents knew and loved Ben like they thought he was a great a great role model and a great friend um so they were they were all about it my dad had done some running never like super competitively I know he ran the New York City Marathon like once or twice uh one time he actually relating to the fact that I ran my OTQ all sick he ran the New York City Marathon with literal pneumonia oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) says it was like one of the stupidest things he's ever done He did it. So yeah. So clearly, clearly genetically, the ability to run a marathon while ill is there. Um, but anyways, yeah, they, they were really supportive of it. I mean, they would just like, you know, if I was gone for like an hour and a half, they'd just be like, Oh, he was, he was probably out running or something. And, um, my friends didn't entirely understand it, but they had also never really known me as an athlete. So it was kind of intriguing to like all of a sudden have like, you know, this kid who was picked last for tag and kickball and all that stuff start to be like one of the better athletes in
0: the school so at this moment in time are you hoping that this could turn into something at the college level or is that just kind of like this dream of like i mean that would be cool but i don't know if i have that type of ability by junior year i i knew that i was going to run in
1: college and i was also even starting to gravitate towards the college i was eventually going to go to again because my friend ben was telling me all about his experience running in college at a SUNY Geneseo where I ended up going and running and competing uh so yeah I I knew I was going to compete in college and I at that
0: point kind of knew that that was probably the school I was going to end up going to what was it about that I mean was it just Ben or was there something else about it that you that, that made you want to attend it I'd
1: like to think that even without Ben I would have ended up gravitating towards that because I wasn't getting a ton of interest from coaches. I would get like a couple letters and like messages from like local D one schools, but like nothing big, nothing official simply because I didn't really start to get to like the state level. And I didn't make any state meets until my senior year. Uh, And that's usually what really puts you on the radar of coaches. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it just it was the perfect storm of like, you know, it had a good science program, which is I knew I wanted to major in science in college. Uh, It was going to be affordable because it was a state school. It was in a really nice, cool area that I loved. I loved upstate New York, the rolling mountain, uh, rolling hills and everything. Uh, And, you know, it had a really, really solid D3 running team. And I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go the D1 route and kind of have, you know, running be tied to a scholarship or be this like big, big, intense thing. I just knew that I liked doing it, wanted to be competitive. And I liked the idea of still being in like the upper ranks of the team trying to compete for a national title rather than just like being in a D1 school and hoping to score at my conference meet one day.
0: You're, you're, Alex, you're the 21st person I've talked to for this pod. and I don't know how many have been D three guys, but probably close to a handful now. And I've talked to a couple of D one guys as well. And and I always wonder about what it is that has allowed for so many of you, a D three runner, to find like the success that you're having now, currently. Um, Because it, and and I don't want to cast aspersions, obviously, onto a D one athlete as well. But it just there seems to be this drive that you and others have had. Um, you know, whether it's now or, or back in college or, or throughout the life, it, I, I don't know. I don't really know if there's a question here. I'm just kind of rambling at this point, but I just, I have found that really interesting. I just kind of liked the way that you just described, like why you maybe didn't want to go to a D one school and why the D three school maybe was something that you could be interested in.
1: Yeah, it was for me. I think that the big thing was that it, I didn't want it to feel different than it did in high school. Cause I took, I took it seriously in high school and I took it very seriously in college, but it was never like the main, main thing. Like there were always other things going uh, around it. And from what I'd heard from people who ran D1, it really became like way more consuming than it potentially should have been. And I still let running consume me a pretty good amount. Like it was always part of my identity, but it just, it felt like the right decision.
0: You wrote about um your late coach Mike Woods and and the philosophy that he had on a runner and how they could m- reach their maximum potential and it was one word and it was believe. What what was it like running for him in college? Yeah,
1: Woodsy just always had this this like aura about him of just like when he was like telling you like to do something that you just like he thought that you could do it and therefore you needed to like think that you could do it. And the moment you didn't think that you could, that was like when you were starting to let yourself down. And yeah, I don't know. It was just the, the the way that he spoke and the way that he looked at you. Like you knew that he believed that you could do whatever it was he was telling you, and you just had to like have that same faith in yourself. So I yeah, I think that that's like a huge huge part of it because I mean, we it's it's start it's starting to become more commonplace for for D3 guys around my level to go out and run like that trials qualifying time. But I think that when I did it, there wasn't like that much precedent for that being something that like was possible. And like, you know, there's a ton of different factors going into it now uh, that weren't before like, you know, the shoes and um, new marathon nutrition and all of that stuff. But I think it was just kind of like when I went out on that day, when I originally ran two sixteen fifty one, like, I was just thinking to myself, all right, we're going to go out, we're going to run fast and I'm just going to keep getting faster and like keep holding on to that pace. And I'm just going to believe that I can run as long as I want at this pace. And that was just what
0: happened. When you think back to your experience as a college runner, is there a particular memory that pops up that, that you're like, man, that like I missed that. And, and I imagine camaraderie would play a large part in this. But is there something in particular?
1: Yeah, Um Every time that I think back on like what was the big college moment, it's really funny because I was part of a, the, the team that placed second at Nationals for Geneseo in 2016, and that's not the, me- the memory I look back on. In fact, we are kind of disappointed at that performance, which I kicked myself for because we really wanted to win. But winning indoor Suniacs, so the X are conference championship meet, and winning indoor Suniacs my junior year, Especially and then again, my senior year, but junior year in particular, I remember we were so last two races for anyone who doesn't know some indoor track conference meets go the last two races at our indoor conference meet are the 3k and the four x four. And in the four by four, you can maybe pick up a couple of points. Because you know, like first gets 10 second gets eight, and then six and then four and all and so on. And each team only gets one relay in that race the race before that was the three K and it goes basically the same way. First gets 10 points, then eight, then six, then five, then four, then three, then two, then one. And we can have up to eight runners in that race. So you can gain a lot more points from those like individual events than in a relay. And I think that we needed to get something like 25 points which would be like sweeping the top four spots and then maybe like having another person come in or something like that um and we were up against some good runners like if you went by seeds i think we had the one the two and then like the seven eight nine ten or something like that like there were some really good runners in there and it was just this moment where, so at that point it, it wasn't uh woodsy. It was uh, Dan Moore who's still the coach there. He kind of just took us aside and was like, listen, if we're going to win this race, we need you to basically take like the top four spots and then maybe have someone else come in like seventh or eighth. Like, and he's like, I know it's a big ask. And we just kind of all looked at him. And we're like, Nope, we'll do it. And sure enough, we went out and I I forget the order, but we took one, two, three, four, and I think I was I was in in fifth, and then two other runners from other schools came in at sixth and seventh, and then we had another person come in at eighth. And I think we, that was like thirty one points or something like that. But those guys that finished like like sixth and seventh were potentially going to like win the whole thing. Like they were good runners. They ran like sub eight thirty in the three k. And we were all doubling back from other events and they were both in it fresh. So that was just like this huge, like overcoming, like beating the odds, believing in each other, believing in our team. And we were like losing our minds after that race. So we did it then basically again the next year, but against less difficult competition. But it was it was still like this crazy like we overcame the odds, won the meet. It was this amazing moment, and so I do miss that, like that team piece where like you all come together to do something uh, greater than yourself.
0: God, that's very cool. What an awesome story. Um, so as as your college career is finishing, um, I wonder what you were thinking was next. Um, I, I was listening to an interview uh, over the weekend uh, from from Relay, the podcast Relay, and Jeff Cunningham, who's a coach down in Austin, Texas, was on. And one of the things that he discussed was the idea of runners. That like runners should get into the marathon ASAP after college instead of like scratching and clawing their way uh, in in the five k or the ten k. Was that what was that decision like for you as you decided to dive into the marathon? I know you ran your first one back in in twenty nineteen. What what did that look like? Did, was there any consideration of like I don't really want to run anymore after college?
1: So immediately after graduating, I had spent that whole senior year. I wanted to get an All-American in Cross, didn't have the race at Nationals, didn't get it, was pretty disappointed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and qualify in the 5K or 3K indoors, was a couple spots off of qualifying in the 3K indoors. Okay, I'm going to try and qualify for the 10K outdoors. I think I was seven or eight spots off of qualifying in the 10K outdoors. And so I, at that point, mentally, I needed like a bit of a break. And for me, a break simply meant... I have no races that I'm training for. I have nothing on the calendar, nothing in mind, no formalized training. I told Ben like once I'm ready to be trained again, like I will contact you and we will get into something. But that didn't mean I wasn't running. It just meant that I was not specifically training for something. So that summer I basically just did whatever I wanted to do. and you know, while I was in college, I was always asking for more and more mileage. Um, I mean, my coach still let me run, I think 106 at my peak week, but when I, during that summer, there was a week where I hit 131, I think just cause I, just cause I wanted to like no, no rhyme or reason to it. And there were like workouts in there too. It wasn't like I was just running like easy mileage. Like I was still running hard some days. Um, and I think it was after that point where, you know, I came back, I was doing my student teaching. because I needed to take one more semester to do student student teaching. So technically I had walked, but not really graduated. Like I was done with my classes. I was done with like running in college. Mm -hmm. And once I came back for student teaching, uh, my coach was like, we should maybe try and get you in for a half marathon. And I was like, that sounds like a good idea. So I signed up for a half marathon in November uh, ended up running 67 flat basically, which at the time I had no like real goal for that. Like the goal, the goal was just, we, we wanted, I was running it with two other alumni. So we still kind of had that team piece and, um, we wanted to win like the team competition at that half. Cause then you got free entry into this like Ragnar type relay race the next summer. So yeah, that was like a really big performance for me. And that was when I kind of realized like, oh, like Maybe the 10K in college wasn't quite long enough. And so we then did that relay uh, the, the next summer. And I think in total, I ended up running about like 32 or 33 miles. I think my average pace was like 529. It wasn't all continuous, obviously. It was like in a couple different pieces. Yeah. But that was when we realized like maybe a marathon could be something that could work. But I still actually wanted to do a half marathon and then eventually do a marathon. And I remember I, en- so I entered for the wine glass half marathon. Wine glass is in Corning, New York. So really close to where like an hour from Geneseo. And they told me, oh, we don't have any more elite bibs for the half marathon, but we can get you in for the full. And I was like, well, you know, did 32 miles at like 520 something pace. Like, yeah, let's give it a try. So I'd, I honestly signed up for the for that marathon in 2019, expecting that I was going to run my first marathon in 2020. Um, but yeah, just ended up doing the full instead.
0: Yeah. And you won it. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I won <laughs> Your it. Your first uh, marathon. Yeah. Yeah. I won it. I ran uh, 223.40 or something like that. Uh, actually tried to tried to hit the trials qualifying mark, which at that point was was 219 flat. I didn't necessarily think that I could get it and I wasn't like disappointed when I started to fade but I did I, I went through the first half and I think like 69 10 or something like that like I was I was on pace to do it halfway through and I actually I I'm not 100% convinced that I wouldn't have got it but there was like a 10 mile per hour headwind and that's a point to point course so it was like headwind the whole way deal with
0: the whole time
1: yeah yeah but um yeah that was just, yeah that was super cool and so that was when it was like oh Like, the marathon could actually, like, be my thing. Like, I could actually be good at this.
0: More from Alex Burks in just a moment, but a word for my friends at Peak Performance, Omaha's only locally owned running store. For 30 years. Stop your guessing and go to an expert. They will put you through a five-step gait analysis process. They're going to determine not only your arch type, but also your lower leg alignment. Whatever that arch type is, there is a shoe type for it. There are four locally owned stores in the Omaha metro area. I remember when I finally stopped by about a half decade ago. It has changed everything for me and they have been such an important part of my running journey over the last few years as I've been chasing after the Sub-3 Marathon as well as qualifying for the Boston Marathon. Be sure to stop by one of those four locally owned stores and mention this podcast, Chasing 3 Hours, and you get $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Stop buying from the big box stores Online and figure out what's going on with how you run and get a shoe that will help you get better out there on the trails. And again, mention Chasing 3 Hours for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Back to my conversation with Alex Burks. Yeah, so I want to ask you about that. So, because you mentioned it, you know, a little bit ago, as you you did the half, and you're like, you know, maybe I need to start trying out the marathon. Then you want to sign up for a different half, and you ended up running 26.2, yeah. and you win it. Is that is that daunting? Like to have that much success that early? Where I mean, you're running a 223. Immediately, the conversation is obviously going to go in one direction, and one direction only. Right? It's not. Yeah. I, I, I had Peter Bromka on uh, a few months ago, and and he he talked about when he ran his fastest time before the 219.02. And it was like, what am I going to do? Go after a 221? Like that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. I imagine that you had similar machinations.
1: Yeah, but it was interesting because like since the marathon was such a new thing to me, there was no, there was no concept of either like how difficult it was going to be, how important it was to me. It was just like, yeah, I'll just keep running the marathon because I'd run one marathon at that point.
0: Interesting.
1: So Yeah. So then, so I was gonna go and then run another half in early 2020. Obviously that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) basically the whole like lockdown era, the school I worked at was like in such a rural area that like, we didn't even do virtual. Like we just basically completely shut down and we're like sending packets home to the kids. So I had like six months where I had, nothing to do. I mean, I was, I was finishing up my master's degree at that point, but other than that, I had nothing to do. So I was just like grinding out mileage through that, like 115 miles per week, like every week with a down week, every three weeks for like two straight months. Um, and eventually I kind of decided I was looking to see like, if there were any races that were going to go on that I, that I'd do. And I was going to do JFK 50 mile at one point, Uh, but then like they changed the rules on like crossing state borders and having a quarantine and all that. And I couldn't do that anymore with my job. Uh, so instead the, um, trials and miles put on a half marathon at Rockland Lake state park. Um, and I decided, oh, okay, I'm going to go and do this. And previously the best half I'd run was, you know, 67 flat. It was still from that Syracuse race. I hadn't really run another fast half marathon since then. Um, and for this one, I went out and I ran sixty five thirty or something like that. And that was another like, okay, like, like I'm, I'm in really good shape right now. Um, so just kept training, but still didn't really have anything in mind. Cause that was like a, you know, a one-off thing, like races were not happening at that point.
0: So what, I, yeah. I, the, the pandemic for you, um, you know, I think that, and I, I've said this on the pod before, so I apologize to those who have heard me say it. But like, I always viewed it as a fork in the road for me. I would just gotten back into running at the start of the year before the pandemic. I I signed up for the Twin Cities Marathon, and three days later was when everything changed when Rudy Gobert touched a microphone and the world shut yeah. down. Um, I, I've always viewed, looked back on that and said I'm really happy that I went down one road because it, it now I'm talking to people like you every week, which is awesome. Um, yeah. it, it it seems like you made the best of. A horrible, horrible time in you know the world, the world's history. Like in the in the midst of that, are you trying to maybe appreciate that you're able to get that many miles in? Like this is, it's not always going to be this way. Obviously, you're not going to be working from home. You're not going to have this ability to do this on a day in day out basis. What was that like mentally for you?
1: So it's funny because after college, like the races were kind of just like this opportunity to showcase fitness. But I was really at that point, just enjoying training. Like I when when I have the time to do it and like the motivation to do it, I genuinely just enjoy like pounding out high volume training. Like I, I love it. Uh, so honestly, like I was just enjoying hitting, you know, 110 plus mile weeks consistently forever, just like making it my daily routine. And, um, yeah, the, the, the races were just kind of this yeah, this like ancillary, ancillary thing where it's just like, yeah, like if a race happens and I can do it, that's awesome. If it doesn't, I'm still going to keep training. I'm still going to keep just accruing fitness and seeing what I'm capable of doing.
0: Along those lines, you you said something a, a few moments ago that like at, at this point, the marathon wasn't, you know, what it would become mentally for you. Um, So in May of 2021, you run the OTQ time. A year later, you write. As as running goes, I'm still climbing up, reaching for the next branch, and trying to figure out what I can do to chase that dragon to to find that perfect day again. So I wonder, in the midst of that year, wh- or and maybe even before May of 2021, at what point does the marathon go from "Hey, that was fun" and to see my fitness to "This is the goal, and I am going to do anything possible to reach this goal."
1: Yeah. So so to to preface the the two sixteen fifty one. About six weeks before that, I think, I had a, a different race, um, which was through Orchard Street Runners in New York City. And they do kind of like Alley Cat Checkpoint style races. And this was their big, like longest distance race, which I had wanted to do for a little while. And I was excited that they, they put it on that year. And that's the, the OSR 30. And for anyone who doesn't know, it's basically approximately the entire distance around uh, the perimeter of Manhattan. Which ends up to be about 30 miles. That year Joe was, you know, a little bit mean and it ended up being about 32 miles. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I ended up running that as it was 32 miles. I think my average pace was like a low like low 540s, like 542 per mile or something like that. And that was the moment when um when my coach said to me, He's like, We need like I don't care what it is, we need to get you in a marathon. Cause you are in like absurdly good shape. Cause I ran that 32 and like the next morning did eight miles at like seven thirty pace. And was like, I'm not going to lie, Ben, like, I don't feel amazing, but like that, I don't think that was an all out effort. Um, so we, we find this, you know, tiny McCurdy race that's around that same Rockland Lake state park loop. Um, there were other ones, but that was the one that I was like, no, I want to do that one. That that's going to be the spot. Um, And going into it, there was no real goal. I think in my head, I was like a sub 220 would be nice. And like getting the old OTQ just to know that I can do it would be nice. So that like whenever the new OTQ comes out, I can like, you know, either have done it or gotten close and know what it feels like. But looking back on like the splits I ran for that the whole time, I had no idea like I don't want to say I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how impressive and absurd what I was doing like was like, I just <laughs> looking back, I'm like, how was I not thinking in the last like eight miles? Like you are going to blow up in spectacular. <laughs> Cause I was at that point I was running like low five minute pace. And in my head, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to hold this for the rest of the race. Like this is totally fine. And now that I've had so many more marathons since then, like that little bit of fear of like, how am I going to feel in the last six miles? Like is kind of always there now that I've had, you know, some slightly more realistic marathon expectations. So yeah, the moment that it, it stopped being just like, yeah, I'm just gonna go out and race a marathon and started being like, this is a time I have to hit was, was pretty much immediately after that time. Cause that time like changed like the, the way that people looked at like what I was doing and running before. It's just like, yeah, like, like Alex is good at running and like, you know, he's doing this crazy training. Um, but now it's just like, Oh wait, like, like this might be a top 150 time in the country any given year. And that was like a really big, like, sh- like, sh- like once, once, once I realized like how good that time was on like a national level was when like it kind of shifted for me. Cause before that I had no idea really, like what a truly good marathon time was. I just kind of knew that the OTQ was really good and that was about it.
0: Where, where did that show itself in terms of like pressure? Was, did you feel more internal pressure or more of an external pressure to, to kind of hold up your end of the bargain given now how people were viewing you? So the shift
1: in mindset honestly didn't feel like pressure at that point because I was making a big life change at that point, was moving from New York out to Colorado. And so I kind of told myself, okay, like, you know, the first couple months at altitude training, like probably aren't gonna result in any better fitness than I had before. Um, And additionally, at that point, there was still no information about when the trials qualifying window was gonna open. So there was no pressure yet of trying to make the trials. So I just signed up for CIM uh, 2021. Was like I'm gonna go out. Where I'm gonna train. I'm gonna train for it. Like I'm gonna train hard for it. But I'm not gonna set any expectation of what is I'm gonna run. And so at that point, there was still really no pressure for me. Like I had had a really good race. I just kind of assumed that like okay, I'm at this level now. I'll be at that level or similar for you know as lo- for the rest of forever as long as I keep training the same way, doing all the stuff the same. And that was still like a perfectly fine race. I ended up running two nineteen thirty. Didn't really feel too disappointed about it because I went through half and I think sixty eight low like sixty eight fifteen or something, and in my mind went didn't go oh I went out kind of faster I went out on PR pace let's like let's like hold off and just kind of try and you know come in in like a nice little PR I went I'm gonna have the same kind of day that I had back in June and started dropping like five flats I think I went through twenty miles in like one forty two ish which like is Two fourteen pace or something like that, and then had a spectacular like six twenty pace blow up the last uh, six miles or so to to jog it in for two nineteen thirty. But that was the thing is I was like, okay, I, I jogged it in for a two nineteen thirty. Like I'm still in really good shape. Like there's still no real pressure. And so it wasn't until the next race, which was Grandma's in June 2022, where I blew up way harder to run a way slower time. I ran around the same time I did for my debut. And that's where the pressure started to come in from for like, wait, what happened here? Like, this isn't supposed to be what goes on. Like, I'm supposed to be, you know, a, a solid sub 220 guy for sure. Like, why, why, why did I not hit the OTQ today? Like, that was when, that was when things started to kind of go askew mentally.
0: More from Alex Burks in a moment, but if you are running in the good life Hazy on Sunday, November 5th in Lincoln, Nebraska, I hope to see you at the Expo the day before. I will be at the Lancaster Event Center with a booth of my own, for this podcast and we we'll be doing a live podcast recording at some point during the afternoon. I will be there from noon until 6 o'clock. Hope to see you there 4100 North 84th Street at the Lancaster Event Center in Lincoln, Nebraska. My chance to finally meet some folks who listen to the podcast. Be sure to stop by. I got some fun surprises in store as well. So I will be at the Good Life Halvesy Expo at 4100 North 84th Street in Lincoln, Nebraska Saturday, November the 4th from noon until 6 o'clock that evening, here's more of my conversation with Alex Burks. So, at, at this moment in time, you know, I imagine that you're thinking back to the, you know, all of the events that happened the first time you did it. The weather of the day, maybe the mindset of the day. Certainly, you you felt a lot looser. And I know that you're going under the hood, and I know that you eventually landed on the why, and that kind of yeah. unlocked everything for a week and a half ago. But what was that process like for you? as you tried to figure it out and, and what, like, how did that show itself in training? And, 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 and then obviously on those race days as well as, as you continue to get further and further away from that time and you're, and you're still chasing it. Yeah. So training
1: for me has always just been training. Like, I mean, I, I I didn't, I I, I don't think that it mentally affected me in my training. Like I was still, I was still going out, doing my runs, train the same way I normally did doing the same volume. It was really just a race day thing where like for the next two marathons, the moment that like that that fatigue and that like feeling set in of like like I can't push through this, like I'm not going to be able to to hold on and get that time again today. Like that was when it affected me the most. And I, I guess sort of like like towards the later stages, like like early mid twenty twenty three this year, that was when it started to, to like affect me a little bit mentally in training. And like, I was trying to find that motivation again. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it was really more of a race day thing of like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm no longer that consistent. Like I'm running really well every race. Like what, is this going to be a good day? Is this going to be a bad day? I don't know.
0: What, what was it like as you tried to talk it out with so many people in your life, whether it's your coach Ben, whether it's other runners who have chased after the dream of an OTQ and either gotten it or haven't gotten it, what what was that like um, for you? And 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 I wonder if if now, with the benefit of hindsight, what you think it was like for them?
1: It was it was frustrating because everything that we were coming up with just didn't feel like it was the right answer. Like I w- I would convince myself in my head that like, okay, yeah, like the, like this is probably it because like I just can't think of anything else. And just looking back, it, it's just, it's so frustrating that it was like the most blindingly obvious thing that was like so simple that no one, and it was it was so simple and not something that I was talking about or like vocalizing. Like when it came time to like, like when they were asking, they, they was, it was always like looking back and not looking at the actual day and like picking apart, okay, take me through every single step of the race. Tell, Don't leave out any detail at all so that we can try and find something. And I think that if someone had just done that, had said like, like the training doesn't look wrong. Like yeah. the training doesn't look that different from everything else you've ever done. So let's go. Let's look at race day. Let's pick apart every piece, everything that you were thinking, everything that happened and I think if we had done that, it would have been a lot easier to like to find what was wrong a lot more quickly.
0: So you figure it out and it's fuel. It's your it's yep. your race. It's your race day fueling. Um, w- when you eventually figure it out, uh, what's your reaction? What's the reaction of those around you? And and what did it do for you mentally beyond maybe the the sheepish? I can't believe that we didn't talk about this before. But how, yeah. how did that change things going into the race nine days ago? So <laughs>
1: I, I, I love my friends and I'm really happy that they're, you know, we're all able to, to be like this, but it was, it was overall just like a, like, dude, how'd you not know that like, this was what was going on? Like, like, especially like, cause for, for CIM in 2022, cause I went and ran CIM again and failed again. And that was probably the hardest one mentally for me because at the time I would, I actually had a training partner for like the first cycle and forever Where uh, myself and another D three runner, Jared Ottman, who now runs for Roots, um, we were doing like all of our training runs together, all of our workouts together, very very similar mileage, like all that sort of stuff. We had the exact same race plan. And when I told him, like, yeah, I think it's fueling. He's like, well, like, what were you doing? Like, what'd you do at CIM? And like, I told him, like, yeah, like, I think that I probably had at CIM, like, four or 500 calories total, if I like, really am honest with myself. And he's like, oh, I probably had like 800 or 900. Like, what, like, how did you not realize that that's what it was? Like, (laughs) I was like, I was like, thank you for not like taking like pity on me or having sympathy, because that really is like a, like a dumb thing for me to not realize was happening. But after that and, like, heading for the rest of the training cycle, like, I told my coaches, like, listen, we're going to do training the same way that, like, we have because, like, clearly that's not the issue. We knew that I was, like, fit and in shape for the marathon each time we ran it. But, like, we are going to practice fueling at least once a week, if not twice a week. And, like, we are going to have at least two or three runs during this the cycle where, like, I practice the entire race nutrition, like to the exact calorie of what I am going to do in the marathon. And so I think doing that and like knowing that my stomach to able to handle it, knowing that I've like been feeling way better on these longer efforts using that race nutrition and the times that I didn't during the cycle, like it was noticeably feeling worse and noticeably feeling closer to that same feeling I was having during the, ma- the three marathons prior it was just like a okay. I think we've cracked the code. Like and in the yeah, the week and a half leading up to the race, it was just like, okay, like we are going, we're gonna do this. It's going to work. It's gonna happen.
0: That is the next part of my training and racing that I want to unlock because I ran a 259 in Chicago last year, but I felt very gassy at the end. So I switched to a different race day. I, I switched to Morton from Goo. And I just ran a 251 in Des Moines. So, like, I, I chopped off eight minutes, but I did not feel comfortable at the end of the race. And I, I want to get to a spot where I feel comfortable. What kind of advice would you give to people who maybe that's the thing that they also haven't unlocked? They're having a lot of success. Training runs are going well. But when they get above that 20 mile threshold, that, that stuff just maybe goes not totally sideways. I, I never had to walk or anything, but I just, I did slow down enough that I wasn't able to reach my 250 goal.
1: So the, the best advice that I got was advice that I was getting from my friends who were into cycling and just also people I knew who were really into the like, you know, race nutrition side of things. And like cyclists have known this for forever and they're lucky because their stomach isn't moving around. So they'll like, they'll be like, yeah, you know, like for my Ironman while I was doing a seven mile or seven hour bike ride, like I consumed a whole like pizza. (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> and, but, but what they said is, okay, like try to aim for 90 grams of carbs per hour. And then if you can get comfortable doing that, see if you can push it by like 10 grams per hour, like each time, like find what your limit is. Cause whatever that limit is of how much fuel you can take in, like, that is the point you want to be at. Like for, like for them, some of them are trying to push like 140 grams of carbs per hour, which is like, crazy. Like that's, that's a lot. That is a <laughs> whole lot. Um, so what I would say is like, treat nutrition like you treat the rest of your training. You know, you want to push it a little, like little by little each time you want to practice doing it like you're going to do on race day. Um, with the Martin stuff, I've, I've certainly been guilty of this before. And I know a lot of people who have been guilty of this where like, Martin on the back of their packages tells you exactly like how many milliliters of water to mix with that whole packet to give it the ideal ratio. Do that. Like if you, if you want more fluids during the race, just take it as straight water or take it as water with electrolyte mix, mix the Martin packets to the amounts that they say on there, because that is both going to maximize the digestion of those calories, but also like, just make it easier for your stomach to take. Cause like I've done it before where I've probably mixed in like close to double the amount of water that they've suggested on, suggested on that packet. And like, I felt like super bloated and sloshy doing that.
0: Interesting.
1: So I would say like, like try and get it to that exact ratio that they have there on the packet. If you need more fluids, get those fluids through some other means. Um, and yeah, practice the exact amount that you can take. And so I think that for me, I ended up probably being somewhere around the 115 grams of carbs per hour, which the, the, the recommended amount is 90, but like anyone who's been into like heavy, heavy endurance activities for a while now and is really in tune with that scene can tell you that like people are starting to think that like, you know, 90 might actually be like the floor of where you want to be. If it's like, you know, if you're, if you're really trying to perform at a
0: high level. So let's go to race day. Uh, and we, we, we talked about it at the very beginning of the podcast. You're not feeling very well in the, in the lead up to it. You have a bad four mile shakeout run, not feeling great. How close were you in the end to not, to not racing? There was
1: never a point where I was going to not race. Um, the thought went through my head a few times, but basically what my coach said is like, listen, no matter how bad you are feeling, at the very least, like you've paid to be in this race, you paid for the flight. Like you're here, get on the line, do as many miles as you can at marathon pace, and even if you have to drop out, we've gotten in a good sea level stimulus for whatever the next race is going to be. So just go as far as you can, make it work, and after I heard that, I was just all right. Well, I better be ready for race day. So. I, I think I took like probably about two and a half hours, maybe, maybe even three, like just sleeping, napping during the middle of the day. This is is the day before race day. This is the Friday. Yeah. Friday, like Friday, I slept, like I slept through lunch. Like I don't think I ate a ton for lunch. Like I was just sleeping. Um, probably took like five or so of like, um, so the, the electrolyte powder that I use, I'll, I'll sometimes use Noon. I think I use Noon during the race. But like when I'm just having electrolyte powder, I use SOS. I think I had like five of these little packets of it, which is probably like 200% of like your daily value of like electrolyte. <laughs> and uh, I had, I took like some vitamin C and like zinc, like gummies. Like I was just like, I'm doing everything that I can to try and kick this. So yeah, I, I literally probably peed clear like 10 times that day <laughs> Took as many electrolytes as I could because I was like I want I want to flush this thing out of me but I also don't want to come into the day that, like the race day the next day and have no electrolytes in my body and cramp in like the first mile um yeah and then tried to get to sleep but I'd, I'd been napping the whole day so sleeping the night before the race actually like didn't go great like I tried to fall asleep really early I don't think I ended up falling asleep until like 1030, which obviously sounds very early but when you have to wake up at 4 a.m. for your race the next day it means that you get like, you know, five and a half hours of sleep. Um, yeah, I woke up the next day and I was like, well, I don't feel 100 percent, but I feel better than I did a, like before that shakeout yesterday. So who knows? Let's just let's let's give it a try. And once I had my race day caffeine in me and like breakfast and everything and I'd shook out and like, you know, then I got into my super shoes and everything it was just kind of like all right, like we're, we're we're on race day, we're going to go out, we're going to do this. Like we're going to give it our best shot.
0: Is there a moment within the race then that I mean obviously you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself but you're thinking okay, I'm am, I am in way better shape than I thought I would be given how I felt 24 hours ago. This is, you know, this is going to be something that that is in the cards if I keep running well.
1: Yeah, so so even like the day before the race my coach reminded me that like our whole plan was that like you know I'd been I'd been doing the training right the past 2 years and the nutrition just wasn't going right on race day and so I wasn't showing my full fitness. And so he said like you're probably in shape to run in the 215s if you were to go out and run all out. So if you're in shape to run 215 and you're feeling 90%, you can still have a 90% 217 day. Because you're in 215 shape. And so that thought was in my head for a decent amount of it. But the other piece that he told me is like, listen, this was the same thing that we said when you were in 21650. Cause he was actually there with me on a bike when I was running 21650. Cause there was no one else in that race running that time. So they were like, yeah, you can have a bike pacer. And, it, you know, my coach came out and did it for me. Um, but the whole time, anytime that, you know, he thought it was necessary, he'd just go over and he's just like, we're staying calm and patient, calm and patient. And so he told me to, like, any time that I wanted to think something during the race, just have that be calm and patient. And so any time I wanted to think about how I was feeling, I either would just tell myself, you're feeling good, and then I would just go back and think, just stay calm, stay patient. And um, I would say that the point where I realized that it was probably going to happen was – at that 20 mile mark with like, with like six miles to go. Because at that point I wasn't feeling any of those, like the, any of that bonking feeling that I'd felt in the previous three marathons where I'd fallen off. And it was just like, I I felt really, um, I, I felt really validated like, okay, I am, I am right. It was the nutrition piece. We've done it right today let's finish this race. And with one lap to go, so three miles to go, because each lap was about three miles. That was where I knew that I had it on the day. And at that point it was just like, all right, yep, just run it in same pace. Don't speed up. Don't speed down. Don't slow down. Just get the OTQ mark. And then that's what I did.
0: Are you a, uh, I'm a crier. Near the end of a race, like if it's, if I'm having a good day, not a bad day, a good day, yeah. where just all the emotions well, I've done, of I've done both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder when that hit for you. Like what what at what moment in this one does do all of the emotions of like I'm I'm going to do this. And I love the word that you just used, validated. You felt validated. When did that hit you uh, on that Saturday? So I had since I had had
1: experience doing the exact same thing on the exact same course. Similarly, with a lap to go of my 216.50, I wasn't really doing the math on like what my time was going to end up being until I hit that last lap of both races. I mean, obviously, I knew that I was below OTQ pace on in the race a week ago. But for the 216.50, I didn't actually do math on what my time was going to be until one lap to go. And that was when I was like, oh, oh, man. So same exact thing did did not let it like get overwhelming didn't let the emotions start to come in just let it fuel me to go like okay I'm going to run as hard as I can like for this last lap and and it wasn't until I crossed the line that it really hit me like oh my god like I just broke 217 so for this race it was a similar thing of like like don't let the emotions come in just yet um this time I did start to do the like yell and like p- hype up the crowd before the line simply because i i didn't really care about my time as long as it was under 218 but the 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 crying happened after i after i saw my parents and like gave them a hug and like saw it, like that my dad was starting to tear up which like he's never done at one of my races before and he was there when i ran 21650 like he didn't even start cuz he knew how much this one meant to me because of how hard it was for me to for me to get back to this point to, to get that OTQ. So yeah, once, once I saw them and once I finally like started, like once, once I finally hit the ground, that was when it was just like, Oh my God, it's finally done. It's finally over. Like you have the OTQ, like you have failed at this three times for the past two years, but you did it. You are, you're going to go to Orlando. That dream has finally
0: been achieved. It seems like you have some great people in your corner. Um, yes, I, I, I love the words from your coach. Your, your, and you mentioned him a few times, Ben. Uh, at some point in the last week, he says, the best part about spending a decade coaching the same person isn't watching them run times that they once couldn't. It's watching those runs become a reflection of a person they once weren't, but wanted to be. And then he added, congratulations, Alex. I mean, that, that's a, that's some heartfelt stuff right there uh, from someone that's been in your life for, for a long time now. What, what do those words mean to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it means everything. Ben, ben is quite literally, I mean, I've told him this a million times. He's quite literally like an older brother for me. Like he is, he is one of the most important people in my life. Uh, he was the best man at my wedding. You know, he's been my coach for however many years now he'll be my coach for, you know, until I can't run anymore. Uh, like it's, it's, it's going to keep going forever. So yeah, to he's, he's always been really, really good with words. And yeah, I, I, I do love that. That phrase, but yeah, I've I've been so fortunate to have so many people to like, you know, find the right words for me to be able to, you know, support me through both the good times and the bad. Um, Yeah, it's it's just been such a, a wonderful thing to have so many
0: great people in my life. Absolutely. Um, I imagine some of those great people are your students. You you are a teacher, as we've talked about a few times. What is it like? What is it like balancing the, the running with the teaching? You, you work in a school district that's four days a week, which I imagine has to just be absolutely awesome, depending on how you treat your Mondays. Um, and they probably know you as the running teacher. What, what, what's that like? Why did you get into teaching in the first place? Um, I got into
1: teaching. I, I only realized I wanted to do it my uh, at the end of my junior year of college, which uh, was definitely an interesting time to like find out that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, it happened because before that, I was thinking I m- might have wanted to get into medicine. I was doing an internship at a hospital. And the whole time while I was doing that, I was like, OK, three weeks to go until I get to do like my day camp job, like two, two, two weeks to go until I get to do like this job, like working with kids at the day camp. And I was like, wait a second, like I'm spending this whole time like wishing that I was doing something else, like maybe that something else should tangentially like kind of become what I want to do in general. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to make the hard pivot. I'm going to do, I'm going to go like try and do education, uh, took like 21 and 22 credits my last two full semesters of college before then doing one extra semester for student teaching. And I was like, yeah, this, this is what I want to do. Um, and so, yeah, working at this four day work week uh, school has been amazing because we can get in like some really good high volume days. Right. Re- Recently, our, the schedule's kind of been long run Saturday, easy Sunday, and then like a high volume double on Monday. I think that's kind of going to switch to like like either like workout Saturday, long run workout Monday or vice versa. Uh, just because now that we're getting into less daylight, it's going to be a little bit harder with, you know, four days a week is, is nice, but it does mean longer school days. So my workday starts at 730 a.m. and ends at around 430. Um, so it, it will be hard to get runs in during the light for uh, for the trials build. But um, we're, we're going to make it work with those, you know, three days off, four days working. But it is it is kind of funny because I don't really talk too much to people at work like about the running and training I do until they like start asking me things like, Oh, so what do you do like outside of work and whatnot? Like, cause I just, I don't know. I, I, I like to have it like come into play as part of my identity instead of be like the only thing they know about. Cause sometimes talking about running with people who don't know that much about running can be a, a little bit of a chore for lack of a better, I don't like term. driving 20 miles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Um, Yeah, I wasn't known as the, the running teacher until basically this past week when they were like, so what are you going away for? Like, you know, what are you taking like a day and a half off for? I was like, "Oh, I have this race in New York." Like, they're like, "Oh, what is it? like, oh, it's like this marathon in New York." They're like, "Oh, is it the New York City Marathon?" I was like, "No, it's it's not." It's got like it's like a small race, like 200 people in, and they're like really trying to pride. I'm like, "Okay, it's for people who are trying to qualify for the Olympic trials." And like, what? <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> oh, well, the cat's out of the bag now. Yeah. And so, it was really nice though. They they made like a they made an announcement for me like when I came back saying that I'd i qualified for the trials and now of course everyone's asking me about it and all my students are like so like wait when, like when do you train for this and I'm like well I'll get up at like five a.m. and you know run twelve miles before work and then six after and they're like wait 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 stop twelve miles before you come here and then you run again after school I'm like yeah it's just kind of like part of my routine now like don't even think about it as like this big impressive thing but yeah it is it is kind of funny
0: <laughs> uh, what what's your favorite part about teaching.
1: Favorite part of teaching uh, has to be like those moments where uh, where you, you like see the student get something for like the first time, like that, that moment where like something just clicks with them and you've been able to take this, especially in science, like you've been able to take this really complicated topic, this really complicated thing and like get it to a point where they are able to process it and like they're able to understand it for the first time. And then also just like getting getting to know like the whole student and what they're interested in, what their goals are and seeing what ways I can support them in that, whether it's simply by encouraging them to go after that goal, to chase that dream or just to give them the tools that they need to be able to like get closer and closer to that.
0: What's next on the uh, build up towards the trials?
1: As of right now, I don't even know. We tried to not have too much of a plan just in case it didn't happen. Um, I'm thinking maybe going and running. I think it's the the Austin half marathon. Yeah. Austin may doing the Austin half. It's kind of weird because it's like, I think it's like three weeks before. So it might be a little close, but we might, might go and do it like a, like a first half at like, you know, first half at slightly under half, like half marathon effort, but slightly faster than, uh marathon effort and then try and slam the second half. We haven't quite decided yet, but going to start, start building probably later this week, early next week. Uh, and you know, just try and have fun with it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the goal was the trials, but the goal also way back when I first ran two sixteen fifty was to place well at the trials. So it's time to get back into that mindset of like, you know what, like the circumstances of how we made it there may have changed, but the goal still hasn't changed. Like it's not just about going to the trials. Like we, we always wanted to place well at the trials too.
0: Speaking of having fun, what's your favorite part about running? My favorite part about running
1: is at this point for, for me at first, it was literally just seeing myself get better and discovering where my limits lie but over the years, through the people I've met, it's just becoming more and more of a part of the community, meeting more and more of these amazing people uh, and, you know, getting to have some of these incredible experiences like qualifying for the trials uh, and even talk about like running the speed project back in 2021, like all of these or 2022, all of these crazy things like it, it's just the, the experiences and the memories and the people that I've been meeting along the way.
0: So I finish every podcast by asking my guest about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal, it could be qualifying for something, or it could just be a feeling, Alex Burks, what are you chasing?
1: I am chasing whatever my limit is. I want to find that limit and either break through it and find another limit, or just, you know, find that point where I feel like I've pushed myself and squeezed every last ounce of what I'm capable of doing and running, whether it's a distance a time, or just doing something no one's ever done before. So I want to find out what that is and eventually get there.
0: Alex Burks, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Thank you. Thanks again to Alex Burks for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Peak Performance, be sure to stop by one of their four Omaha metro area locations and mention this podcast for $15 off your first pair of shoes at regular price. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to chasing for more from me as I write about my experiences out on the running trail, races, and a whole lot more. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend.